0: Lord God, you are worthy of every bit of our praise and honor. And we pray that in this hour together, our worship will bring glory to you and will lead us into a deeper relationship with you. Thank you for being present with us and we offer this hour of worship to you through Christ in whose name we pray, amen. We are excited to see all of you here today. We especially welcome those who are here for alumni weekend at the college. Great to see uh, you back. Before you're seated, take a moment and uh, greet somebody around you. Introduce yourself to someone you don't know. Share a word of greeting. I want to mention a couple of things that are in your bulletin uh, tonight. Um, our small groups meet, but knee is not meeting because of the concert in the chapel at six o'clock. So just please take note of that. Also, we are in this uh, in the series of the fruit of the spirit, and uh, one of the things that we're doing as a part of this is creating uh, a recipe book of the fruits that we are connecting with the spiritual fruits, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But We would love to have your recipes in the book. And so uh, even if if you're here just for the weekend, uh, we would love to include your recipes in the book. And so there's a sign-up sheet in the back for you. Uh, You can sign up. You don't have to have the recipe with you. I doubt if you bring those with you, have them in your pocket. Uh, But you just know the name of it, how we can reach you, and uh, we'll get those from you. And we hope to have that book together uh, by mid-November. Also, there's an insert in your bulletin about the food pantry. We've had the privilege of helping a number of people uh, with food over the course of the last few weeks. But that also means that the, uh, the, the cupboards are a bit bare. And so there are more needs of, of people that uh, are coming to us. And so we would love your help. If you can donate food items, if you want to make a monetary donation, that would be awesome. We, uh, we just need to restock the shelves so we can give it away. So if you you see the list there, and you can just drop those by the church office, uh, send something to the church, and we'll make sure that gets put in the right place. There are a number of prayer concerns in the bulletin, things related to uh, us specifically, as well as things going on around the world. And uh, we ask for God's grace and mercy in each of those situations.
1: Good morning. Today's scripture reading comes from Romans 14, verses 13 through 19. Uh, That's page 1124 in your pew Bibles in front of you, if, if you're using one of those. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. As one who is in the Lord Jesus, I am fully convinced... That no food is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy your brother for whom Christ died. Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification.
2: At this time, we'd like to invite the ushers forward to receive our morning tithes and offerings. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me so love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light Where there is sadness, joy O Divine Master, grant that I may Not so much seek to be consoled as to console To be understood as you understand To be loved as to love, for it's in giving that we receive, and it's in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it's in dying. Thine master grand I may Not so much seek to be consoled As to console To be understood As to understand To be
3: loved As to love For it's a gift
0: been our practice for a while to make the invitation to you if you would like to use the altar rail as a place you pray. Sometimes the posture in which we pray can communicate uh, the needs and the burdens of our hearts and how we want to pray. And so as we take a few moments to pray together, if you would like to come and, and use the altar rail as a place where you offer your prayers, please come and join me. Holy Father, we come to declare today that you are good and merciful and gracious beyond all understanding. We come today, Father, asking that you will help us Worship you with all of our hearts, with every part of our being, to surrender to you. We come today acknowledging your work in our lives and in this world, in the miraculous and in in the ordinary. For the times when we see you moving in unusual moments. And when we see you in the daily work of life. For the times when we receive unexpected gifts from you. And the times when our long-term relationships once again bring joy to us. We thank you for the ways in which you heal our minds and bodies and spirits, and for the everyday strength that you give us to face the tasks of life. Father, we come today asking you to make us sensitive to your working in the world and in our lives, that we might worship you That people might see you in us. Father, we pray for the needs that we represent today those who are grieving, those who are struggling with issues of health, people who are in distress, weary, burdened, our struggles with being anxious and overwhelmed just facing the difficulties of this fallen world. In this moment of silence, hear our prayers for each other. Father, we pray for the larger world. For our brothers and sisters who face threats and persecution. For people who have suffered because of terrorist attacks and who live in in fear. Places in the world where tensions are high. places of the world where people do not know you. Lord, we pray for your grace and strength to be at work in each of these places. And in this moment of silence, we pray for our world. Father, we thank you that you are always more ready to hear than we even are to pray. That you're always more willing to give than we are often willing to receive. Pour out upon us the abundance of your mercy and forgiveness and grace and strength through Jesus Christ, our Lord, And our Savior. Thank you for hearing our prayers this day. As we offer them through Christ. Amen.
2: Please stand and join us as we continue in worship together. My soul finds rest in God alone My rock and my salvation
3: I'll A fortress strong against my foes And I will not be shaken Though lips may bless and hearts like curse And lies like arrows pierce me I'll fix my heart on righteousness I'll look to Him who hears me.
0: Those of you who weren't here a couple of weeks ago, we um, we tried an experiment uh, that sort of engaged you in the uh, in the sermon, and we're going to try this again today. And normally, you know, you come to church, you see signs or there's notes in the bulletin. Turn off your cell phones. We encourage people to leave them at home. Well, today, hopefully, you brought your cell phone because we're going to use it. All right. So if you have your cell phone with you and you do texting. Pull it out. Now, you know, I have to do the disclaimer, texting rates apply, you know, all of that. Um, but if you do texting and have your cell phone with you, pull it out. And I'm going to ask you a question and ask you to respond to it. All right? So pull it out. And the number is, that we're going to call is 22333, right? Yep, 22333. That's the number you're going to text to. And here's the question. With whom do you most often tend to have conflict? Family, friends, co-workers, someone at church, or somebody else. Now, I recognize there may be some overlap, so we'll be thinking about maybe where the conflict might most often take place. And just start texting, and it text your answer to one of those numbers, and we'll see what happens. we have some family issues don't we I said a few weeks ago, this is sort of like watching the sausages race at the baseball game. You know, they keep doing this back and forth. We pretty much done? All right, now, I'm going to tell you this. That was for one time. So now no more, none of this as we're going through the service, okay? Put that in your pocket or purse or whatever. We're done with that, all right? This is about where we ended up at the first service as well. The only difference is we had zero with people at church. So they're a lot better church people than some of you are. I'll <laughs> tell you that. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, okay? But the family was by far the, uh, the largest group. And uh, we have a little bit more of a breakdown. Friends are pretty high here. Here's my question, my follow-up question for you. When you think about that conflict with that person or those group of per- people, does that make you happy? I mean, are you happy about the fact that there is this conflict with another person? Do you like that? Do you, I mean Because sometimes people go around looking for a fight. And some, for some people, they're not happy unless there's conflict. Does it make you feel good? Is it, does it make you feel like, this is all right. This is a good thing. I'm getting pleasure from this conflict. I suspect most of us would say no. Most of us don't like conflict. Most of us try to get away from conflict as much as we possibly can because it's built into the way God created us. You look back in the ancient world and there are all kinds of ways in which people are trying to find not conflict but peace. And, and when you think about the, the way people understand peace in the, in the ancient Greek world, most of the understanding about peace seems to be related to the elimination of pro- problems and trouble. And a lot of it has to do with what's going on inside of me. That I feel peace in my heart. That I have peace of mind. And the the primary means of finding peace of mind and peace of heart is by eliminating all conflict. We eliminate trouble. We eliminate difficulties. We eliminate chaos and turmoil. And only when it's eliminated can I really know peace. When you come to The Hebrew Scriptures and the New Testament uses the same idea. The idea of shalom. It's not just that sense of let's eliminate all the problems and then I'll have peace. But it's a sense of something deeper than that. That even when there are problems, even when there is conflict, my life is more than that. There is a sense in shalom of bringing a person to to a life of fullness... As we were created to be in the image of God. When we read the New Testament, we find that God's plan for his children is peace. Paul talks about the God of peace. It is in the very nature of God, peace. When Jesus, both the prophecy in Isaiah, and when Jesus is born... The word that One of the words that's used to describe his coming and his birth is peace. Isaiah says he is the prince of peace. And the scriptures tell us that because Jesus comes, we now have peace with God. That the conflict, the turmoil between us and God has been taken care of by the cross. And we can know peace with our creator. And it's an awesome thing to know peace with God. But when we read the New Testament, and well in the Old Testament as well, what we find, that we find that many of the passages, probably the majority of the passages, that talk about peace are not so much talking about our peace with God as the result of our peace with God, which is peace with each other. It's about relationships. Paul writes to the Romans, chapter 14, that we read a few moments ago, about making peace. Make every effort to be at peace with each other. Colossians, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And Hebrews, make every effort to live in peace and be holy. He even connects being holy with making peace. And when we think about the fruit of the Spirit, that Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. When we think about the fruit of the Spirit, Paul is primarily, I'm convinced, talking about relationships. He's talking about how our peace with God leads to peace with other people. When we walk in the Spirit, when we live in the Spirit, when we are enamored with the Spirit, when the Spirit is ruling our lives, there will be peace with other people. We will have a passion about peace with other people. That's what we do when we're walking in the Spirit. It's the natural result of walking in the Spirit. We care about peace with other people. So why is it so hard for us? Why do we find ourselves so often being not people who create peace, but something different? Why do we struggle with that? What is it that that creates an atmosphere in us and in our world and in the church, in our families, for places of of employment? Why is it that there's so much conflict? I think there are some, some obstacles to peace that are important for us to see. One of them is the church is that we forget that our faith is communal. So we have this mindset that when we follow Christ, it's just Jesus and me. And it's primarily just Jesus and me. And if it's just Jesus and me, that's great. If it's other people, well, that's fine. But it's really just Jesus and me. But the reality of what we read in the scriptures is that it's Jesus and me and you. The church is not an addendum to our faith. The church is central to our faith. It is essential to our faith. And I've come to the place in my life that I believe it is virtually impossible to be a follower of God without being connected to other Christians intimately. But we tend to shy away from that. We tend to think that it's, it, I, can, I don't need other people. I'm just fine with God. In fact, I'm better off just me and God because they don't have to deal with all these other people who drive me crazy. But the scriptures tell us it is about all of us. And see, if you don't really see your faith as communal, then who cares about peace? It doesn't matter if you have peace with other people because just Jesus and me and those people are on their own. I think another obstacle to peace is grasping for our rights. And we're experts at grasping for our rights. This is what I deserve. They owe me that. God owes me that. And our lives become about just getting what we want, about always grasping for what we want and our rights. And you hear it all the time in, in the church, in society, and culture. Is We talk about Christian rights. And in my opinion, that's an oxymoron. Because when I look at Jesus, Paul says, Have this mind in you that was in Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but instead humbled himself and became a human being and eventually goes to the cross. One of the elements of the life of Christ on earth is refusing to grasp what is rightfully his. But if we're always grasping for rights, we don't care about peace. We just want to get what we want and what we believe we deserve. I think another obstacle is that we are more enamored with what, we're gonna, what we say than about listening to what other people have to say. Yeah, it's all about us. It's about what we bring to the conversation. It's about what we want to how we want to convince other people to our way of thinking. And it's all about what we say. And we rarely enter a conversation thinking, I wonder if they have something to teach me. And so we just keep pressing ourselves and our opinions and what we believe onto other people. It's all about me. And that then turns into it's all about our agenda. We want our agenda more than anything else. And the goal of our life is to get our agenda accomplished, whatever that may be. And again, you see this in the world all the time where, where Christians are, are pushing our agenda in the world. And no wonder people say, well, they just look like everybody else. So we treat them just like everybody else. And there is nothing about the way we encounter each other or the world at large that sets us apart. Because we just talk about Agendas. When all you're thinking about is agendas, peace has nothing to do with it. It's about getting what we want. And ultimately, we live with the mindset that the end justifies the means. As long as our end is right, whatever we have to do to get to that end is okay. And our end may well be right. It may be perfect. It may be exactly what God wants, what we forget is that I think God is more concerned about the process and the means than the end. Because if our process and our means is contrary to Christ, we'll never get to that end. And we will walk on people, we will use people, we will trample people We will do whatever it takes to get to the end that we think is right. And we leave this wake of carnage in our way. It's almost as though we believe that violence is okay. And the church through history has actually done this. That our end is so right that even violence is okay to get to it. Now, we tend, to, you know, we tend to be against violence, but we still hurt each other a lot. We hurt each other in the things that we say and the way that we say them. Things that we write to one another. Because the end justifies the means. And all of this is about me. All of this is about what I want and getting my way And the peace of God in Christ is always self-giving sacrifice. The fruit of the Spirit is rooted in self-giving sacrifice. If you're going to love like Christ, it's going to be self-giving sacrifice. If you're going to be a person who exudes joy, it's only because we are committed to self-serving, self-giving sacrifice. And if you're going to be a peacemaker, it's about self-giving sacrifice. And that's why Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called the children of God. And I think when Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is peace, he's simply echoing what Jesus says in the Beatitudes about peacemakers. That's hard for me to read that and not think back to Monty Python's Life of Brian and the scene in there. If you've seen that, you know the scene. People are out listening to Jesus in this field. And they're talking, people are way back in the crowd, they have a hard time hearing. And a woman says, what did he say? And the guy in front of her turns around and says, I think he said, blessed are the cheesemakers. And she says, blessed are the cheesemakers? What does that have to do with anything? And her husband says, well, it's not, it's not, take to pay. you don't take that literally. It, it means anyone who might be involved in the dairy industry would be blessed. And you, you watch that and you think, good grief, that is so stupid. But you know, if you were one of those people sitting there in first century Palestine and Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers into that culture and that world, it would have been just as ludicrous as if he'd said, blessed are the cheesemakers. Really? Peacemakers? Everything about our world, Jesus, is aggression. It's about power. It's about grasping. It's about getting Sounds familiar, doesn't it? See we know that passage so well that it just sort of goes over our heads. We don't stop to contemplate what does it really mean to be a peacemaker? What does it mean to have the fruit of the spirit as peace coming out of us? Now here's the reality: The fruit of the spirit as peace is only possible because the spirit is at work in our hearts. It has to start with the Spirit. Peace is not something we manufacture. That's one of the problems we often have, is that we think we just manufacture peace, but it's the result of the Spirit in us. It starts with the Spirit. It continues with the Spirit. It ends with the Spirit. It is all about the Spirit in us exuding peace. But ultimately, at the same time, we have to create the soil of our hearts that wants to grow peace. We want the Spirit to plant seeds of peace in us so that as we live our lives, peace comes out of us. And if we are creating soil in which the Spirit's peace can grow, it won't. Because we're not really after the Spirit, we're just after what we want. So how do we cultivate Peace. Philip Kennison, in his book, Life on the Vine, gives some interesting ideas about how we cultivate peace. One of them, he says, is we, ought to rem- we need to remember our baptism. I suspect for most of us in the evangelical church, baptism is important and it's good, but it isn't really something that we embrace regularly. And that's unfortunate. Because when we remember our baptism, we remember that in that moment, we were declaring death to ourselves and surrender to Christ. However you were baptized, it was about surrendering to Christ and dying to self. And peacemaking is possible only as we die to ourselves. And we're called to continue to remember what our baptism is about. We cultivate peace by encouraging each other. Instead of our first words being what's wrong with you, instead of our first words being anger, how about encouragement? We begin looking for ways in which we can encourage people, even in the most difficult situations. We start praying for God to bless people that we're in conflict with. And we admonish each other. We talk about not just what is good, but we also talk about what is bad. And sometimes we think making peace and Admonishing each other, acknowledging our faults are, are mutually exclusive, but they're not. Because if we love each other, we care enough to confront each other. Now, we do it in the right spirit. We don't confront because we're upset with someone, we're angry with someone. We don't confront because we want to make sure they know we're right and they're wrong. We confront because we love them. Because we see them running down a path of destruction and we care too much about them not to do something about it. Peacemaking is not equal to apathy or inactivity. It's not denial. When you read the scriptures, God is never uh, about denial. From the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation, over and over and over again, God is confronting sin. You will never find God saying, oh, well, that's okay, don't worry about it. That doesn't matter. Let's just let's just we we'll just act like that didn't happen. No. He's confronting it, but he's confronting it to heal it. And to bring good out of it and to change us. But ultimately, peacemaking and probably the most difficult thing is that we forgive one another. It's ultimately going to come back to forgiveness. You see, one of the things about peacemaking we tend to think is that we often think peacemaking is we're in the middle between two people who are in conflict. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes that's the case. And and we're in the middle. And, And we're trying to mediate this conflict between people. And that's a good thing to do. But here's the truth, if we're willing to admit it. Most of the time, the conflicts that are in our lives are because we're a part of the conflict. We're complicit. We have played a role in making this conflict come to life. We have thrown gasoline on the fire. We might have even started it. And what's needed is an act of forgiveness. That we go to people and we ask their forgiveness and we forgive them and we make the choice to do it first. We take the initiative about forgiveness rather than waiting for other people to take the initiative for us. And that is so hard. You remember when Jesus tells about says if you if you're praying at the altar and you remember that you have something against someone else, you should go make it right. No, that's not what he says. He says, if you're kneeling at the altar and you remember somebody has something against you, you get up and go make it right. You start. Even if it wasn't, even if you didn't start it, even if, quite frankly, your complicity in the thing is minuscule, take the first step. Because that's what peacemakers do. That's what people who are filled with the Spirit do. It, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called the children of God. And as someone said, that's, that's like saying peacemaking is the family business. It's what we do as children of God. And being a peacemaker is taking the first step. And it's so hard because it feels, we, we feel so vulnerable when we do that. And we are vulnerable We don't know how people are going to respond. We might go to them and they might embrace us in the same way we've come to them and it's an awesome conclusion. But they might not. But that's not our issue. Our calling is to take the first step. To be vulnerable. To take and embrace the position of weakness just as Jesus does. You think about the conflict of God and His children. When you think about the walls that have been broken down between us and God, it's not God's fault. It's all our fault. Every bit of blame is on us, nothing on God. And yet, to resolve the conflict, God doesn't wait for us to act, He acts first. And he keeps acting first and keeps acting first. And ultimately, Jesus goes to the cross. And if God, who is perfect, chooses that vulnerable role of weakness, how much more you and me who are not perfect? And I know it's hard. Believe me, I know it's hard, and it's a battle, and it's a struggle, and we wrestle with it because, again, we want to, we want to be right, and we want to acknowledge our rights, and, and we want to, to acknowledge that, you know, we didn't start it, and we didn't, have, we didn't do anything about it, and yet God puts that word in our hearts, you need to take the first step. Because that's what people who are engaged in the Spirit, who walk in the Spirit, who are living in the Spirit, that's what we do. That's what naturally comes out of the Spirit at work in us. So think back to that original question on the screen. Think back to the people, the person in which you are in conflict. Maybe it's something that, boy, as soon as that came up, their face was right in your mind instantly. Maybe it's something that sort of dawned on you as we've gone along this morning, but they're there. Are you willing to be a peacemaker with them? Are willing? Are we willing to be vulnerable, and take the position of weakness to be peacemakers who become the children of God? Heavenly Father, it's a hard word for us, for me. But we want to experience the fullness of your spirit in us. We want to know the joy, the shalom that you offer us. In this moment of silence, let us hear you speaking. Father thank you for hearing our prayers and for loving us enough to want to change us that we might be channels of peace amen i mentioned earlier that one of the things we're doing there in the series is connecting a literal fruit to the fruit of the spirit and if for those of you in the balcony, you won't see this, but on the back facing of the balcony are the fur, are love, and we talk strawberries are representing love, and watermelon joy as you think about a picnic. And today, it's, it's a pear. And we chose the pear for a couple of reasons. One is, you can spell that word differently, P-A-I-R, and you talk about at least two people in a pair, And it reminds us of relationships. But the other thing about pears is that they tend to be not real tart, not real sweet. Most of the time, pears are not the center of a dish. They're complementary. And peacemakers are often not in the center of things, but they're behind the scenes working in ways to bring about God's purposes for His people and the church and the world. And our goal is that as you think about pears, you'll think about peace. There's some ways that we want to invite you to respond. One of them is we have cards on the outside and inside of each of the rows. And we want you to pass those to the people in the rows. And make sure everybody gets one of them. And they have a, a picture of a pair on them and the word peace. And what I want you to do today, and I think it's important to do it today. Take a few moments and write down whatever God may be saying to you about peacemaking in your life. Someone you need to talk to some situation in which you need to be a peacemaker, whatever it may be, to write that down. And the second thing I want to encourage you to do is to take five minutes every day this week to pray for God to make you a peacemaker, to give you courage, to give you grace, to give you strength, whatever you may need to take that first step to be a peacemaker. And then third, this morning, if you, if you have a sense that you really want to talk with someone, you want someone to pray with you, there's a, there's a specific situation or something on your heart and mind, and it may not even be about peacemaking, but you just would love for someone to talk with and someone to pray with you, their elders and some of the staff are downstairs in the prayer room. Just go down the back steps and down the next set of steps, and it's right there. And they are there and they will be glad to meet with you and pray with you today. Sometimes we just need to do it in the moment. And so we want to invite you to take, a, take advantage of that opportunity. Our prayer is that God will help us be peacemakers in whatever way he desires. Let's stand for the last song.
3: As you go, may you know the love of Christ, how deep and long, how high and wide. As you leave, may you seek to win Christ and my His death. As you lead, may it be the light of Christ and show our hope.
0: benediction. May the God of peace who gives us peace fill you with his grace and mercy to be people who share peace.